Hi, welcome to Monocular, a storytelling podcast where I offer you a one-eyed look at the distant and not-so-distant past. As a straight white male, I realized many years ago that I'm particularly prone to having blind spots. Growing up, I'm sure that I adopted as many heteronormative values and perspectives as any other kid who never knowingly encountered anyone who fell outside what was deemed the sexual norms of society. However, my perspective changed significantly within a period of about eight months back in 2004 and 2005. Not only did I make two new amazing friends who happened to be gay and married to each other. Two of my closest friends, both guys, also came out to me during that period. One of them I'd somewhat figured, while the other one caught me by complete surprise. It all added an amazing and probably much needed perspective to my preconceived notions of what sexuality can be beyond straight men and women. I felt very much at ease with it all, and what followed was years and years of partying it up with my friends in various gay clubs in my hometown of Aarhus, Denmark, where I still lived. Usually one club at a time, though, since the city apparently wasn't big enough to keep more than one running. And almost annual trips to San Francisco, where my new friends lived. LGBTQ-themed activities were pretty limited during my San Francisco trips, as what brought me and my friends there together in the first place was music and so we spend most of our time going to shows, recommending tunes, discussing music, and even playing it a little bit. However, the 2011 trip to San Francisco stood out. Subsequently, my friends have joked that this was the year they gave me out, although I genuinely appreciate all the experiences we had. They included assembling the Big Pink Triangle installation on Twin Peaks, going to a drag show and witnessing two nights of gay performance art, attending the big pride parade in downtown, a private showing of Steel Magnolias, and, of course, quite a few nights out at gay bars. All very memorable, but nothing ended up sticking in my mind as much as the 4th of July party that was also part of the Straight Danes Big Gay Summer in San Francisco. That 4th of July party is what this episode of Monocular will describe in great detail for you. If you wonder how I'm able to remember all these details about it, it's because I told another good friend, Ian, about it in an email the following day. He lives in Britain, and he's also friends with my friends in San Francisco, so he took an extra amount of interest in my trips there. We were emailing back and forth when he told me, in all caps, to tell him some things. I wrote him back later that same day, and I opened my email with the words, Tell you some things? Okay, I'll tell you some fucking things. He was very excited about what I'd send off to him. In fact, and I'm quoting him directly here, he said, Okay, I think that's the best email I've ever had. For that reason, I'll dedicate this episode of Monocular to Mr. Ian Richardson. The version of the story you're about to listen to is very close to what he received, though I've taken the liberty of changing out the names. Just to underline that this isn't so much a story about the individuals, but more so the experience as a whole. As always, Monocular is written, performed, recorded, and produced by me, Miguel Elbeck. Check out monocularpot.com for all the information you could want about the show. 
including how to support the show for as little as $2 a month. Monocular is a Torahtown Storyworks production, and for more information about the company, a one-stop shop for all kinds of storytelling, please visit torahtown.com. Alright, now let's listen to the story. If you're offended by words such as fisting, domination, or puppy play, I suggest you skip this episode. If, on the other hand, that only makes you more curious, strap in and strap on. Enjoy the ride. In 2011, I spent one of America's biggest holidays sitting on the couch for seven hours in a nice apartment south of San Francisco. The two gracious hosts for the 4th of July party, Kevin and Eric, happened to be gay leathermen that were into the whole master and slave thing. Kevin being the master, Eric being the slave. Also there were my good friends Terry and Bob, and another guy called Bob. He was also a slave, as well as a porn veteran, and he was wearing a yellow and black leather wristband that signaled how he likes to get pissed on. As such, I mean no offense to him as I will refer to him as Piss Bob from here on out. I'm simply wanting to distinguish him from the other Bob, my friend. Additionally, there's a couple called Spiff and Jimmy, the former being a big black guy and the latter a significantly smaller white guy who was quite loud and effeminate all at once. For a while, there were also two 50-ish twin sisters there. One of them talked about how sick she'd gotten from sitting next to an ill, sneezing person on the plane to San Francisco. She'd placed herself right next to me. Finally, there are a few animals there, too. A big dog that stayed in one place the entire time. A huge, cross-eyed Manx Himalayan cat. And then, a skinny 21-year-old house cat who hadn't eaten for a long time and was going to be put down. But then, on the day she was going to go on that last ride to the vet, she suddenly picked it up and started eating again. She was my favorite thing there, and I was hers. She took a liking to me and crashed on and around me for pretty much all of the seven hours. A ton of food, and especially snacks, were put out across two tables. I constantly went to the bathroom to wash my hands after touching the cats and such, since we're all grabbing into the same food bowls. Not the cats' bowls, obviously. No one else seemed to bother to do that. So we sat there in a circle in this big, nice living room on the 11th floor of an apartment building south of the city. The stars and stripes were put up, but so was the Union Jack, just for fun. People talked back and forth. It was nice. I noticed that Eric, the slave half of the host couple, had a big book about Sult, which is a relatively small island near the Danish-German border. I never figured anyone would dedicate a whole book to it, let alone a huge one like this one. Eric is a German history professor, so that's why he had it, though I doubt that all German history professors are required to own that book. Not much time had passed before the conversation turned into what it would be for around six hours straight. A big, often passionate, sometimes enlightening, sometimes funny, too often frustrating, but always wide, wide open discussion about all the various sexual fetishes that these people I was surrounded by partake in and view as quintessential to their identities. Master-slave relationships most of all. Sirs and boys. Dumbs and subs as in dominators and submissives. Leather. Oh boy. Leather, leather, leather. Fisting. So much fisting talk. 
At some point, Eric said to Piss Pub, if you're a bottom in fisting, you can get whatever you want from people. I looked at Bob, the other Bob, my friend, who did a note-taking gesture back at me. I couldn't have imagined how many words could be uttered about fisting, or for that matter, how extremely passionate people can be about these things, especially that guy, Piss Bob. The main attraction, however, was actually Spiff and Jimmy. From the get-go, they were very openly physical with each other. Not in an obviously over-the-top way, but when they arrived, Spiffy sat himself on a chair, and then Jimmy placed himself on the floor in front of him, between Spiff's legs and with his back to his partner. Then Spiff would constantly rub Jimmy, on the arms, but mainly on the belly. And I don't mean for like two minutes straight where you go, okay, that goes on for a while, eh? but for hours and hours and hours. I soon learned that Spiff and Jimmy were into puppy play, way into it. They said it's who they are. They are dogs. They act like dogs. They go woof. They fold their hands to look like paws. They're dying for a belly scratch. Ooh, belly scratches. I can't get enough of them, Jimmy uttered at one point in a way that would test the sensibilities of a lot of non-puppy players. They love scratching behind the ears, too. They have a puppy club where they meet up and turn other people into the same thing. Piss Pop totally didn't get the whole doggy deal, and he started asking questions really early on, and that's what jumpstarted the whole thing. Throughout the evening, Spiffy demonstrated a highly frustrating, know-it-all, pseudo-authoritative tone of voice. He's a man with all the answers, and everyone else would simply be reduced to becoming the audience to his lecture. He'd hinted little things here and there, like how he also has a wolf personality, and how that's something completely different in a way that made it seem as if he was dying for you to go, oh, please, please, give me a three-hour lecture on that, too. All the while, Jimmy was mainly just sitting there, listening to the top dog hum our ears with his brilliance. But every so often, he would bring forth the fact that he was from the middle of fuck-nowhere Montana, and then moan about how hard it was for him to fulfill his doggy desires in a small town like that. And oh, how is he supposed to know this or that or this or fucking that when there is no community there? That launched another main theme. The internet. Information about fetishes. Communities. Newbies. Elders. How the whole thing works. Camps. Sex clubs. It became a little ridiculous for me. I couldn't help but think about how it could just as well have been some old conservatives discussing the rebel ways of the youth. Longing for things to be how they once were while bitching about how they're never good enough. This was just in a fisting-slash-leather-slash-puppy-play context, instead of, say, music or politics or religion or whatnot. So, on the one hand, there wasn't enough information. Spiffy kept going on and on about this perfect website that would sum up all the various fetishes in a way that there would be consensus about, and which would then be the main or top source for newbies. Seemingly, no one agreed that it would be possible to make such a site. On the other hand, everyone agreed that all the information was already out there, so how big of a fucking problem was it anyway? A related topic that started to unfold was how everyone wanted the whole fetish thing to be common public knowledge, something everyone knows about, thus making it less weird or underground or whatever. Sure, enlightenment, fine. But then no more than a few minutes would pass before it became all about how fucking sick, especially Piss Bob was, of newbie questions and inexperienced people trying to learn more and indulge into the whole fetish culture. It seems like you can't have it both ways. 
They want the exclusivity and the experienced fetishists while also spreading the message to everyone else. Take a side of your fence, leathery boys. It went on and on. Finally, towards the very end of the six-hour discussion, I got to ask a couple of questions about the puppy play, directly to Spiff and Jimmy, though of course Spiff took control and answered them. My question was if puppy play was really the participants thinking they were dogs, as in genuinely dog-like, with an actual dog mentality, or if it was just a convenient metaphor in terms of describing the kind of behavior that they indulge into. Something that is in no way related to dogs, but just similar in terms of the kind of cuddling and scratching and intimacy that goes on between puppy players. Spiff said that it could be both, that there were some who felt a genuine link to dogs, after which Jimmy then raised his hands in that ooh-me kind of way. He had talked about Native Indian shamanism and dogs earlier in the evening. For others, it was more metaphorical, he explained, albeit with a hundred times more words. I went at it and kept asking questions. With an intrigued audience, too, since many were skeptical about the whole puppy play thing. I managed to convince Spiff, or so it seemed anyway, that overall, puppy play had nothing to do with dogs, and when they would shape their hands like paws and go woof and all that, then that was just, to use a term of his, the wrapper for that kind of behavior. All right, then. So it all comes down to deep psychological matters and urges and cravings that lead to behavior which just happens to be similar to how we perceive dogs. There's no link there. I mean, there is. Millions and millions of years ago in terms of evolution. But I have my doubts that the common ancestor for the wolf and the human is anything much like either a dog or a person. So the puppy players go at it, which is obviously fine. They're happy and they have a club and a community and so forth. What I did find myself minding, however, is the insistency that their fetish is to be taken as seriously as Spiff's tone of voice implied. He told a story about him and Jimmy going to Best Buy wearing their matching puppy play handkerchiefs, and the girl there had asked them why they were wearing matching handkerchiefs, to which Spiffy had replied, Ooh, long story. Oh, right. They weren't wearing their fetish handkerchiefs out in public because they wanted to be asked. Evidently, he ended up telling the Best Buy girl that they just really liked dogs, which he relayed to us with a knowing grin on his face. Again, he had demonstrated the peculiar combo of exclusivity and wanting to get the word out to the public. It reminded me a lot of being 17 and having just gotten into Satanism, the intellectual levee love thyself kind, and then saying in despair to my brother and his girlfriend, what's the point of being a Satanist if nobody knows that you are one? Not long after that, it struck me what a silly thing to say that was. If that's your motivation, then it's not about figuring out who you are. Then it's just about stirring up shit. So I ditched the whole stupid Satanism thing rather quickly. Now, Spiffy and Jimmy were in their 30s, but the way I experienced them, they were exhibiting quite a bit of pubescent behavior. Also, I found it difficult to give that whole, oh, we're so liberated and sexually free theme as much credit as I felt like I was supposed to. After hours and hours of in-depth discussion, I was left with the impression that the whole doggy thing had to stem from various insecurities and inabilities to express oneself in a non-fetish setting. 
I put the master-slave thing on a completely different level, however, because to me, that's just an extension of how people are naturally. Some are dominating, some are submissive, and then that's brought into sexual play or whatever. I get that. But it starts to feel a little silly when you claim to be turning into a puppy and wolf like a dog and tell me that it's who you naturally are. If by that, you mean that you were actually meant to be a dog. It all ended peacefully. Kevin, Pissbob, and I drove into the city and watched the 4th of July fireworks. We dropped Pissbob off. Then Kevin and I had a good talk. And back at Kevin and Eric's place, where Eric, Terry, and Bob had cleaned up nicely, we all sat down for a while and went through the evening. They revealed how Pissbop tended to hold very extreme views, and evidently no one really gets the puppy play. I was also complimented for my inquiries at the end of the whole thing. Eric said they were spot on. That made me happy, and that moment, with just the five of us at the very, very end, was exceptionally nice. There was a really calm and nice atmosphere, and I was reminded what nice people Kevin and Eric were, and how it was Spiffy, Jimmy, and Pissbob that had led the charge in crafting the uniquely odd atmosphere that had dominated the same room for the previous seven hours. (laughs) 